uh, book of Acts. And so we're going to continue talking about where we started this year called coming together. Everyone say coming together. Amen. We're coming together. And as you're turning to those, let me just say our Daniel fast officially concludes today. Uh, and so I want to thank everyone who have prayed and fasted on any level. Uh, some of you were not able to do 21 days. Some of you just a little here and there. Some of you the entire 21. Uh, and so I, I commend you in being obedient to the call of God over your life. I want to tell you it was hard for Beverly and I at this missions conference with our uh, to, to really, I mean, it's just hard when you're not at home governing what you eat. Uh, and so uh, we did our best in many ways. And so in some ways, you know, we look and say, I'm sure there's bacon in these refried beans. I just know it. But what can you say? Uh, and so I'm believing and I'm trusting that your and our import and influence will bring forth uh, a great benefit to our families. Uh, because Jesus said, when you pray and when you fast. Uh, and so we believe in God for his blessing on that. Everyone say coming together. Finding where you fit within the family of God. And let me just say, you have a place, amen. Look at your neighbor beside you. We all have a place where we fit in God's family. Tell, tell them that. We all have a place where we, where we fit in God's family. Our keynote verses have been Ephesians chapter 4, pardon me, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Before we slip this verse up there, let me read these uh, four verses in the context of the New King James. And I love it. It says, now therefore, everyone say now therefore. You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. I have to stop and say, when you see a therefore, you look back and see what the therefore is there for. And if you read Ephesians 2, you'll talk about what Christ, and he'll talk about what Christ did for us by, we were all dead in our trespasses and sins and God made us alive together and we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. He is our peace who made both groups one and brought us together by the power of the cross and by the blood of the lamb. And, and uh, so, wow. Uh, by, and, and, and so because of all of that, of what Christ did, we are therefore now no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, everyone say the whole building. Being fitted together. Say fitted together. What happens when it's fitted together? And it's, it says it grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are being built together. Everybody say built together. For a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Man, what a powerful power packed. Uh, passage of scripture. We're going to look at verse 19 uh, a little bit in detail in a moment, but I love, I think this is the living Bible. I love this and I would encourage you to embrace this verse here. So let's read it together from the PowerPoint. It says, everyone, let's read together. You are members of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. That really is true. And so from this theme, we have, have developed kind of a, uh, the, the biblical idea that we want you to, to get a hold of. It's a novel, but very biblical idea. And it is this, you, my friend, are extremely important to God and his family. And conversely, God and his family should be extremely important to you. Let's read that together. Here we go. You are extremely important to God and his family. 
And God and his family should be extremely important to you. Now let's turn you into, let's make it personal. Let's say I, here we go. I am rather than you are. You ready? Here we go. I am extremely important to God and his family. And God and his family should be extremely important to me. That's what I want you to embrace this morning. And when you look at the heartbeat of God and the way he put things together, it's so very clear to us to embrace our place. Everyone say you got to embrace your place. You got to embrace our place. And here's some quick things that I told you about our connection together and connection with God. Number one, it's biological. We're part of the body of Christ. First Corinthians 12, 12. Paul gave this huge illustration about the church and the family of God being like a body and how we need one another. And I made this bold statement. You know what? If you choose to disconnect yourself from the family of God, say you're the finger, you know, it's going to hurt us. It's going to pain us, but we will survive. But if you disconnect yourself from God and his church family, you will not. You want to see a lot of that? I mean, it got really quiet in here. It's just the natural thing. Hey, our connection's biological. Number two, our connection is relational. And, and that verse that I shared with you, really the living Bible the, the, is a great one. You belong in God's household. The Greek word, that's a family word. You belong in God's family, his household. It's a word used to define and describe family. We are the family of God. And so our connection as members of the body of Christ, it's a family connection too. Uh, whether you like us or not, amen. You, hey, you're in the family. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, we're all in the family. We're all in the family. Amen. I just hope you, you would trust that the pastor is not like Archie Bunker. Uh, so, amen. Got a little more common sense than that. Our connection is also spiritual because, hey, it's not just a relationship with one another. It's a relationship with God. And the Bible says in a number of different places that by one spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And so we have one common thread into the, into, uh, the kingdom of God. And that's through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. That's why it's so important for you to be here on Wednesday night and, and discover the God you may have never known through our small group series, video series with Robert Morris. It's just been great. Uh, our connection is spiritual. And then finally, we must understand that our connection together is missional. It really is a word. We have a common mission. Jesus, the last words before he left planet earth, after he had, had communicated all that he could communicate, he said, hey, let me give you my last words. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And Paul told the church in Philippi, he said, hey, uh, well, he saved us. and No, Timothy, Paul to Timothy. He saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. We all have the same purpose in life. And that is to make our biggest God difference in the world. Everybody say, more for heaven, less for hell. Amen. So that's where we've been. This morning, I'm excited to begin to share with you about, uh, from this passage of scripture, uh, this Ephesians 4 passage, I want to talk about growing together. We need to be growing together. In fact, I've said this many times, growing people grow people. Everyone say growing people grow, pe grow people. It's really true. Ephesians 4, 16, it says that really uh, it, it many different places. It talks about this, but it's not 4, 16. Uh, well, let me see. Yeah, it is. Go to 4, 16. That's where I wanted you. 
yeah, 416. Look at this verse. From whom the whole body, that's us, joined and knit together by which every joint supplies. According, catch this, according to what? Look at there. According to the effective working by which every part does its share causes what? Somebody say growth. It causes growth in the body. I love that part. For the edifying or the building of a, up of itself in love. For whom the whole body joined and knit together by which every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now that's a powerful thought when we embrace it. Let me just give you some quick thoughts about this and, and about our responsibility in the body because we've already said, hey, we should be very, it's very important to us and we should be very important to it, right? And so and let me just say three thoughts about our investment in the family of God. Number one, it's vital. Our investment in the family of God is vital. Everyone say it's vital. Our personal investment, it's vital. Because look what it says here. When, we, when every part does its part, it causes the church to grow. If we become stunted and we become uh, introverted or whatever, and, and, we, and we begin to uh, uh, dismiss the investment that God has for us to invest, we begin to bring harm to the family of God. Our, our investment's vital. Number two, our investment is effectual. It says, according to the effective or the effectual working of each other. You see, what God has gifted you in, and he has gifted you, the place that he has for you to serve, it's, hey, it works. Everyone say it works. God did not make you a dysfunctional part of the family of God. Everybody say, I'm not dysfunctional. Everyone say this, how God made me, it works. In other words, there's a place for you. And when you begin to find that place, it begins to benefit others. It's effective. God wants to put you in the place of your greatest level of impact in his church family. Amen. And then number three, it's also our investment. It's reciprocal. In other words, when every part does its share, when we, did you know when you do your part, it, it blesses you back? When you begin to do your part and sow your part, guess what? There is a principle of sowing and reaping that it, it, it comes back to us. Amen. The more we sow, the more we reap. It's the principle. And it says, look at there. The, it causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So when every part does its part and we embrace this, hey, my personal investment is vital. It's effective and it's, it's reciprocal. It's going to come back to me. And oh, there's so many passages of scripture I could read, you know, cast your bread upon the water. And after many days, it'll come back to you. Somebody say, it'll come back to you. And so, hey, God wants us to embrace this place and embrace where he has for us and realize our investment is vital. It's effective and it's reciprocal. There is a building up when we begin to invest. And here's the thought I want you to embrace today. It's this spiritual as well as numerical growth should be a natural result of a healthy body working and functioning together in love. Spiritual as well as numerical growth will be the natural result of a healthy body. Everyone say a healthy body. A healthy body working and functioning together in love. You see, if only about 20% of the body is functioning, you and I are in trouble. 
How many of you know that's true? But if we can get up, and this is my, if we can get hitting on all eight cylinders, hey, let me tell you something. There's going to be some great things happen. If we can get the body of Christ healthy. In fact, let me just say this. Let me throw this out to you in February. Today we're, because that's next Sunday, by the way. Uh, Hey, I'm talking about growing together. And as I was putting this all together and I saw it's the natural result of a healthy body working and functioning together in love. We're going to spend a Sunday or two getting healed together. Amen. We need some healing in our lives and get hitting on all eight cylinders and get spiritually healthy personally so we can do our part in the body of Christ. So realize this, it's a natural outcropping of a healthy church working together and every part doing its share. That's in fact, at the close of this service, let me tell you what I'm going to do. One of my pastor friends challenged me in this. He he said, my leadership team said this, you can never really measure your success unless you set a very tangible goal. So you can see if you have arrived at your place that you've aimed at. In other words, well, God will just bless us somehow. I went, no, we need to set some goals. How many of you think we ought to set some goals? I'm going to share with you the goal that I believe that in fact, my pastor and I, friend and I have agreed together that we're going to believe together and work towards this year. I'm going to tell you that at the end, because, hey, if we get kicking together, if we get working together, if we realize, hey, I'm a part of the body of Christ, God wants me here and I'm going to do my part. It's vital, it's effective and it's reciprocal. I'm going to do my part and plug in, get involved. Hey, and we start getting healthy. Hey, the natural result is spiritual and numerical growth in the house of God. Amen. So that's where we're going. So this morning, uh, let me just look at this healthy new church. Let's look together at the first century church that, by the way, was a growing church. It was a healthy church. How many of you know God, when he birthed the church, did not birth an anemic, uh, insufficient, uh, incomplete, uh, you know, crippled up family of God. He gave birth to a healthy church. And he used a bunch of ragtag people to do it. Peter, the one who preached the first Pentecostal message, he was a a messed up guy that Jesus took and said, hey, I can choose the weak things of the world to confound the wise. And God used him. And they built a great church. Use a little play on words. The first century bodybuilders. And you can tell I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the body of Christ being built together as a habitation of God and the Spirit. Are you in the book of Acts? Turn over to the book of Acts. Let me just show you some things. Uh, The lifestyle of togetherness these people had. It's just blow you away when you look at it. There was a lifestyle of togetherness. How many of you know being a part of the family of God should be a lifestyle? Being a part of the church should not just be a little piece of the pie of your life. It ought to be the core of your life. Ooh, that's a, that's a novel idea. Well, I go to church. That's a little piece of my pie. How many of you know being a part of the body of Christ is who we are? That should be the core of who we are. Amen. And so you look at this first century church and you see some things that they did together that, that, that put them in a place, that positioned them in a place where growth became a natural byproduct of a healthy church. So here we go. I'm going to give you five thoughts about these, this first century church. I want you to write them down if you can. And let's, let's begin to see how God would have him, uh, have him, his word be made manifest in our life based upon a look and a glimpse and a little peek 
into this first century church of bodybuilders. Here we go. The first thing they did together, and this is really the core, the beginning of being connected to the family of God. They assembled together. They just came together. In fact, if you look in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus had just finished his 40-day church growth seminar. The resurrected Christ, he's about to ascend to the right hand of the Father and and put the church into play. Just quickly, uh, gosh, and I'm, I, I keep wanting to just build on things. Two parts to God's plan, the earthly ministry of Jesus and then the earthly ministry of the church. It began right here. And look what it happens in verse four. And being assembled together with them. Everyone say assembled together. You know, the first thing Jesus called his disciples to do when he called them to, he didn't call them to go to Bible school. He said, just, here's all I want you to do. I want you to be with me. Could I tell you the beginning ground of getting connected in the local church is showing up. Assembling together. And it's not just about showing up because when you look at this first century church, uh, hey, and and they're coming together uh, here even prior to the birth of the church, it had three aspects to it. It was much more than a church social. I'm not sure if the ice cream machines were working. I don't know if it was nacho night. I don't think so. They had threefold focus. The first one is they came together to fellowship with Jesus. It says they assembled together with him. Listen, one of the best places you can ever get to know Jesus is right in the middle of a thriving local church. And because understand something about the church, it's God's greatest expression of his presence in the earth. Because remember, he said in Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 4, we're being built together for a habitation of God in the spirit. This is where God wants to live. This first century church, they came together, they assembled together to fellowship with Jesus and get to know him. In fact, if you read Ephesians where it says, uh, hey, here's what I want you to do. Come together and and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs together, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Hey, we're coming together to fellowship with Jesus. Oh, my friend, when you show up here next Sunday, when you walk through these doors, I want you to say, I'm not here to punch my spiritual time clock. I'm not here just to hear a good word. I'm here to fellowship with Jesus. In the family of God. It, it also, hey, their assembling together was not just fellowshipping with Jesus, but they fellowshiped with his word. Man, there was, the, in fact, what does it say in verse 3? That he taught them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Listen, when you come, there, in fact, some people say, well, I don't need the preaching of the word. I don't, you know, I can, I can get it at home. Yeah, you can get it at home. But let me tell you something. It, it has one aspect to it. Yours. Let me just ask you this. Has your perspective been spot on all your life? Absolutely not. Neither has mine. So it's good for us to hear the preaching of the word. In fact, the Bible says he manifests himself through the preaching of the word in Titus. So they came together to fellowship with Jesus. They came together. They assembled together to fellowship with his word. And then they came together to fellowship with one another, with the family of God. And, oh, you see that in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They continued uh, in verse 46. They continued in the, in the apostle doctrine, the breaking of bread and fellowship. They realized the value of relationship with one another. And, oh, there's so much there. It's not just about me and you. It's about me and you and his word. And about 
about me and you and, and Jesus and his word coming together. I'm telling you what, that's where it all begins. When they assemble together, and I'm telling you, that's important for us to embrace today. Understand something about you being here this morning. Your presence is powerful. Conversely, your absence has power as well. Do you get that part? Just being here, showing up and, and saying, I'm here, I'm ready. Hey, being here's a biggie. Tell somebody being here every Sunday's a biggie. It's a biggie. It really is. It's a biggie for us. It brings health to the house. Uh, you know, we don't just need your body, uh, you know, and we, but we need your blessing to the house. But hey, where do you start? We get your body here and guess what? And then we'll get you plugged in to, to where you can begin to be a blessing to the family of God and find where you're fit in the family. That's why the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 10 said this, let us consider one another, verse 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works and not forsaking the assembling together as the manner of some is. We cannot do that. That's, that's where, hey, listen, that's where it all begins. And if we're hit and miss, let me say, if you're hit and miss, then, then your, your, your part is, is hit and miss. But if we make a fresh commitment and connection like this first century church, they reprioritize their world. They said, I'm here to fellowship with Jesus. I'm here to fellowship with his word. I'm here to fellowship with the family of God. Hey, let me tell you something. It's going to bring health to the house. Amen. How many of you think we ought to have some health in the house? So, hey, they assembled together. Number two, they obeyed God together. There's something about obeying God. And what did, he, what did Jesus do? Tell them in, in verse 4 of chapter 1. He says this. He said, being assembled together, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And you see and you know in Acts chapter 2 that they obeyed the word of God together. They caught the word of the Lord together. And they walked it down together. They didn't get their opinion about how it should happen. They didn't have a vote on what they should do. They got a hold of the word of the Lord and they began to obey the word of God. God. They put their faith into action and they began to, in fact, it says they joined together in one heart and they began to pray and seek God and they were in harmony and unity together and obeying the word of the Lord. You see, the church was born with the command of the Lord by somebody obeying the command of the Lord. And when we began to obey the command of the Lord in our heart and we obey the word of God together, it produces increase in our life. You see, if we live in a sense of disobedience or, 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 or some people have this selective obedience in their life. Oh, you know, I, hey, I'll obey that part because it blesses me. But that part I'm not sure I want to obey. In fact, I'm not sure it really means what it means. So therefore, I'm going to slide that part to the side. Uh, and, and we live that kind of life. Listen, we'll never experience the blessings of God in our life. They obeyed the word of God together. It's the evidence of our faith. And then number three, I like this one. They prayed together. You see it happening. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, what does it say? It says they were all in one accord. They continued with one accord in prayer. I like this part. And supplication. And, and you know, some people wonder what supplication. They were, I just say it this way, East Texas terms, they were heating it up at the place of prayer. They were not praying the way I used to pray. Now, let's say, what was it? Dear Lord, I pray, keep me safe by night and day. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord must have to take. That was not the kind of praying they were doing. In fact, there's evidence that they were heating it up because it says that there was prayer and supplication with the women. Everybody say with the women. 
Let me just tell you, guys, if you want to know how to pray real good, hang around some praying women. Man, you women, that was your chance to hallelujah me. I don't go there very often. There was serious praying going on. I'm telling you, I'm, you want to get some serious praying, you get the women fired up at the place of prayer. They will shake heaven in your behalf. Somebody say amen. amen. How many of you are here because of a praying woman? Look at there. <laughs> what I tell you? What I tell you? And so they prayed together. And you know, Jesus taught that to his disciples. He said, if two or more of you gather together in my name and begin to seek my faith, ask whatever you will in my name and faith, guess what will happen? I'll do it for you. This church prayed together. Let me tell you something. What I'm endeavoring to do this year is to reestablish prayer as the spiritual DNA of your life. Because it must be the spiritual DNA of our life. Jesus said, when you pray, everyone say, when you pray. It's not if you pray, it's when you pray. And that must become the DNA of our life. And my friend, Gerald Brooks, uh, I brace him as my friend. He couldn't pick me out of a crowd of two, but he's now my friend because he helped me. So he's my friend. He said, hey, your, your prayer life, your, 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 your stage life, your, your, your pulpit time can never outweigh your prayer time. And so this morning I got up. In fact, I was laying in bed and I looked at the clock and it was, I said, I got to get up because my, my, my pulpit time, there's no way it can outweigh my prayer time. And so, and Beverly, well, I'm just, I'm tooting my own horn a little bit. When you come rolling out of bed, what was the old man doing this morning? Walking and praying, amen. And so it's got to become the DNA of our life. We've got to pray and seek God. This church prayed together. In fact, uh, was it James and John in chapter three? Peter and John. Peter and John, it says in verse one, went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. Amen. They prayed together. We've got to realize that become the DNA of our life. They assembled together. They obeyed together. They prayed together. And here, number four, because here's a result. They were empowered together. I love chapter two. It says they were all filled, verse four, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Did you know everybody in the first century church was filled with the Holy Spirit? Not just the seal, you know, you know, most of us go, oh, you know, I'm not going down that road. Let me tell you something. Robert Morris said this, the Holy Spirit is not weird. There's just weird people. See, some of you have met some of those weird people. You may be sitting next to one. But the Holy Spirit's not weird. We, we've looked at people and said, that, that, that's the Holy Spirit. No, that's just a weird person. Because the Holy Spirit's never going to make you feel, that's weird. He's going to make you feel comforted. But everybody in the church were empowered together and they all were filled with the Holy Spirit. It is the will of God for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is the will of God for you to operate, not in one gift, but all the gifts. Come on. They were empowered together. You know, if we're going to be the church and, and grow, we've got to all be filled with the Holy Spirit together. How many of you know, and this is what I call the multiplicity of effectivity. Amen. Hey, it's not just the preacher's job to be full of the Spirit of God on Sunday morning. You expect that. It's the will of God for everybody to every day be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. They were empowered together, amen? Walking in this thing together. And then, what's the next thing? They stood together. 
they stood together. I love verse 14 of chapter 2. You know the story. The Holy Spirit came upon them and the whole community. In fact, if you were with us in Israel, we got to really close to where this happened. Uh, not really know exactly where it happened. But we were in the community, in the geographical area where, where the Holy Spirit fell. And all they went out into the community and everybody, because everybody had come to Jerusalem uh, and people from all different backgrounds heard them speaking in their own languages the wonderful works of God. I'm telling you, there was an uproar. There was something going on. And the Bible says, and we have this concept of preaching, but look what happened in verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them. Now, that would be the equivalent of me standing here and eleven or twelve of our leaders just standing right here with me while I share the word of God. They stood up with him. Listen today. One of the healthiest things you can do in the family of God is take your stand with the family of God and say, I'm standing with you, brother. We're standing together. In fact, this new church that was birthed and created such an uproar, the first thing that began to happen was opposition. Acts chapter four, opposition came. And you know what they did? They stood together. And they resisted the opposition. And then they went back to the place of prayer and they prayed together. And they said, Lord, grant that your bond service with all boldness may speak your word. We know you're standing with us. You're going to continue to do what you do. That is to heal and to save. And Lord, we're going to continue to do what we do. And the Bible says uh, when they began to pray that way and they took their stand against the opposition and they took their stand together, that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them afresh and the boldness of the Holy Spirit came upon them. Why? Because they stood together. You see, this first century church had great power and authority. They came together. They assembled together. They began to fellowship with Jesus and fellowship with his word and fellowship with one another. They began to obey the command of God in their life. Let me pause and say, some of you need to begin to obey the call and the command of God on your life. Begin to follow through. They obeyed together. They prayed together. In fact, every Sunday morning at 10, 10, 10, 15, if you want to pray with the pastor and our leadership team in the kids' church, every Sunday we're going to be praying together. And it was good this morning just to hear the family of God praying together. They prayed together. They were empowered together. And they stood together. And the result is, if you go over to Acts chapter 2, Verse 40, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to the church. How many of you know that's some growth? And if we had time, we'd read through those next verses. We may look at them next week, but look down in verse 47. It says, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church, how often? Daily. Those who were being saved. Now, let me close with this. They were growing together. 
That was the result of their coming together. In fact, I want us to read this together. They grew together, both spiritually as well as numerically. And the church expanded her territory into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Just like he said. Because they came together and began to function as the body of Christ. They began to grow. And the kingdom of God began to expand. And they began to grow together. I believe that's what God wants to do for us today. He wants us to begin to grow spiritually, personally, corporately. Get healthy. Get off the hang-ups of our past. Get on to a program of spiritual health and spiritual growth and ministry in our own life and in the church. And numerical and spiritual growth will be the natural outcropping of what we choose to begin to do today. Now, I didn't count how many are here this morning. Probably 100 counting kids, 150, 125, 150. Here's our goal. Here's our big audacious, I believe, God-given goal. I believe it honor God if this time next year we were running 300 people in church on Sunday morning. And some of you may say, now, Pastor, God's not all hung up on numbers. Oh, yes, he is. He was always counting. He was counting everything. Somebody was counting. And you know why we count? We count people because people count. You see, that church, that part of that chair is somebody that counts. And so I want us to stand together. Let's stand up. How many of you believe that if we do our part, he can do his part. Here's what we know about growth. One man plants, another man sows, but what happens? God gives the increase. Could I tell you today, God wants to give the increase, but we've got to begin to plant and we've got to begin to sow. We've got to water the seeds that are sown. And God's going to use you this year Tell somebody next to you, God's going to use you this year. He really is. He's going to use you this year to make a difference in somebody's life. And so today, let's bow our heads and let's ask the Lord to help us begin to grow together. Personally, corporately, spiritually, numerically. God wants us to grow. Father, today I pray for our church family as we continue into this new year of 2013 that you would equip us and empower us, grace us, Lord, to be part of the family of God to the extent that when we all begin to do our share and do our part, spiritual and numerical growth began to happen before our very eyes. Lord, I thank you for these new family members that we introduced a few moments ago. I thank you that you're going to multiply them many, many times over. And Lord, you're going to give us increase in the house. You're going to bring them from the north, south, east, and west. And Lord, we promise you that we will take good care of them. 
we will empower them and equip them and enable them to serve you and to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We believe you today. I want everyone to take somebody by the hand and let's agree together as we set this goal and we set course on growing together. Father, today we take hands with one another and we call forth as Isaiah 43 said he would, you would do, we call forth the harvest from the north, south, east, and west. And we say to the north, south, east, and west to give up the harvest of God. And Lord, we pray you would empower your church and equip us and enable us to reach beyond the walls and touch those with your hands that need you so desperately. We thank you for it. And we thank you, Lord, you're going to help us. You're going to grace us. And we know you're going to bring the increase. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the